Magic of the Spheres podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. Welcome if you are new here. What you are about to hear is a audio version of a astrology forecast that I shared to my YouTube channel, Sabrina Monarch, so you can also see it on video there. And this podcast is a place where I share both these forecasts as well as interview conversations with people that I find inspiring. This is Sabrina Monarch of monarchastrology.com bringing you the astrology forecast for December 1st to 7th, 2021. And I'm back after a restorative month off, healing from being sick. Thank you for all of your love and support during this time, and I'm really happy to be back. So let's get into it. Neptune stations direct in Pisces shortly before the new moon solar eclipse in Sagittarius. And then at the end of the week, Mars and Scorpio will form a closing square to Jupiter in Aquarius. Neptune station. So any planet stationing creates kind of like a mood in the sky, a mood in our experience, um, in the flavor of that planet. So Neptune station may correlate with an unmoored feeling, like being unanchored, a general kind of disorientation or confusion, or likewise on the higher end, um, that kind of bliss or ecstasy or like yearning maybe of Neptune, a spiritual opening as though the clouds in the sky part to create heavenly rays, right? So that like quality of Neptune is about seeing beyond the material or seeing beyond the circumstance, seeing beyond what can be seen and into the numinous depths beyond it. And so, of course, there's room within that to be confused or deluded, as well as to be in deep touch with mystical, spiritual truths. And eclipses also disturb a normal sense of command or control that we feel we have, um, kind of shows the illusion that it is, right? And eclipses can reveal to us deeper soul material through the everyday events of our lives, so the ways that we are Um, experiencing fear or anxiety or reactivity, um, showing us not just so much about the situation or about other people, but about something inside of us. So with Neptune stationing and an eclipse, the mood is already pensive. A mystery of the current moment is inviting the growth of our spirit, of our soul. Then Mars and Scorpio square Jupiter and Aquarius. This is a closing square. This is a last quarter phase square. So they are three quarters of the way through their um, synodic cycle together, Mars and Jupiter. This event at the end of the week suggests that action toward our ideals is desired. With the other transits, our perceptions um, have possibly just been rearranged, new information presented, or we have been disillusioned of previous ideas. Mars square Jupiter here appears like an individual who struggles between two choices. Neither choice is ideal. Neither uh, choice is even satisfactory. There has got to be a third choice, a kind of freedom that has not been imagined yet that will emerge from the tension of the two. 
So my advice, recognize the difference between actually having to make a choice, you know, such as a situation that demands that kind of immediacy versus feeling internally pressured to make a choice when there is no actual urgency, except for the way that the situation is touching you, right? Like when the stress level or the sense of I need to do something is kind of at a boiling point, but it's more of an internal thing. No matter how far we have come in awareness, there are always further breakthroughs on this evolutionary journey. Energetically, a breakthrough happens after contacting a wall. How present and lucid can you be when you are at the wall and finding your way through or around it? Can you trust your process so deeply you follow the thread all the way through without undue force? So I'll get into our week in more detail. Normally I have some announcements. Um, Basically, Magic of the Spheres podcast, I um, uploaded a few new episodes, two solo episodes and one interview. Um, And there's more to come, but those were published while I wasn't um, sharing the forecast. So if you want to go check those out, Magic of the Spheres, where you tune into podcasts. I'm also going to be sharing information soon about the upcoming meteorite. And this is a higher level alumni program um, for people who have gone through the evolutionary astrology intensive. Um, The intensive is currently in session. Um, We just began. So the dates for the next one will be um, sometime further out. But if you'd like to stay updated about when courses are open or when my astrology reading bookings are open or when I'm open for new coaching clients, being on my mailing list is the best place to be. And you can sign up for that below in the notes. So here's our week in more detail. On December 1st, 2021, Neptune stations direct in 20 degrees of Pisces at 522 a.m. Pacific. Neptune last stationed retrograde near the eclipses of summer 2021. The eclipses are... um, portals really. So if you track the eclipses every six months or so, um, you might feel how some of the themes are being revisited, right? Especially when the eclipses, um, are in the same sign, the eclipses engage the lunar nodes, which stay in a set of signs for around a year and a half. And we're just closing out this Gemini Sagittarius nodal experience. The nodes are soon to move into Taurus and Scorpio. So if you think about what was happening summer 2021, uh, just this last summer with the eclipses and Neptune stationing, it's kind of like a revisit right now. Neptune stationing is a significant mood to combine with the eclipses, which are already lunations that bring into question our illusions of control. The Neptune station also heightens a sense of loss of capacity to control and the need for surrender which is disorienting to the parts of ourselves that normally feel like we can steer the ship, right? And alternately quite relaxing, right? Like when we are carrying certain burdens of feeling like we need to manipulate and control everything and make sure everything goes to a certain plan and and all of that, like that's a, a pretty stressful way of being. And there is kind of like a an energetic of surrender that's not just 
like neglect or like not taking care of life, but it's kind of like leaning back and relaxing into an energy stream, like a higher source of energy that channels through us and out. And that requires spiritual attunement. It requires a kind of negotiation with the ego where the ego isn't the one steering the ship, right? The ego is like a vessel for spirit to move through. Surrender implies that something larger is unfolding than we can comprehend currently. And rather than knowing everything all at once, we are invited to find our alignment. I'm kind of inspired right now thinking about this because this morning I had a dream that was pretty much like I've never had a dream quite like it. It was the opposite of a stress dream where in a stress dream, you're kind of like compounding anxiety. Like I'm trying to get somewhere and I'm late and all these obstacles are happening on the way and I can't find the place. And you know, that kind of feeling, it was like that in reverse, like something stress was unraveling and everything was getting easier. It was like a a stress dream in reverse. And it was truly like um, a blessing to get that transmission and to feel that. Alignment. So back to this alignment is like a form of accuracy. When we practice aligning with truth, for example, we become aware of our fluctuations away from truth and into illusions, lies, deceit, etc. And like a meditator focusing on returning their awareness to the breath as the mind naturally strays in the meditation practice, a person aligning with truth in our example here would keep remembering to come back to truth. Naturally, a person might align with a concept that seems truthful in one moment, but then as circumstances have changed or insight has shifted, the concept might no longer hold the frequency of truth in the next moment or maybe, you know, many moments down. And so the subtle adjustments for alignment continue. Alignment calls in our humility and lucidity, our willingness to course correct and be flexible. Right. So if we're aligning with an energy or aligning with a frequency, the form is going to continue to change. And so alignment challenges us to be flexible with form and to feel into the deeper thing behind the form. Neptune stations, as I mentioned earlier, can create an unmoored feeling. It's possible that when feeling the the confusion, um, the confusion of the unknown, right, that we might have unique or unexpected experiences that we wouldn't have pursued or been open to otherwise. Right. So that kind of like being tossed at sea or not being sure where you're going, it kind of opens up maybe some experience or some conversation or some exploration that wouldn't have happened if all was going to plan and you just were going straight from A to B. So Neptune stations and Neptune transits in general can create the energetic of feeling lost and adrift at sea and alternately finding a shore that is this divine blissful refuge or somehow the answer to our prayers and desires, right? Like Neptune is about miracle as well. We're just along for the ride, surrendering and aligning as we go. December 3rd, we have the new moon solar eclipse in 12 degrees of Sagittarius at 1143 p.m. Pacific. 
With a new moon eclipse in Sagittarius and Neptune stationing simultaneously, I know I keep driving this point, a major theme that could be up is faith, belief, and trust, like trust in the universe, trust in God, if you will. Um, There could be situations or areas in our life seeming to force the question around what we believe in. And this could be something that's like very big, like very all-encompassing, or it might be... um, Sagittarius is also like beliefs in terms of like worldview or like the law. And so this may not be like the law as we tend to think about it. Um, It could be like it could be legal, but I think it might also be something like the. hmm, Like rules feels like a kind of Capricorn word here, but I think with Sagittarius, it's like the spirit behind the rules, the philosophy that creates the rules when we get to Capricorn. And so we might have a world to you about how we participate in relationship, for example, that's in question right now, um, or a way that we um, approach money that's in question right now, or a way that we approach our purpose that's in question right now. So it might be, um, you know, our over like overview, our encompassing perspective about a particular area of life, not just about God or spirit um, or like the bigger questions, though it could be that as well. This lunation is close to asteroid Vesta and Sagittarius, keeper of the eternal sacred flame, a priestess goddess who relates to cultivating and upholding a frequency. So cultivating and upholding a frequency, right? When we think about if we're a strong believer in something, how do we defend that? And sometimes it's not simply by like fighting or arguing or anything like super on the offensive. Um, It might just be like we're holding the frequency or like we're keeping the flame alive. So someone who, for example, has like a certain inner devotion to uh, gratitude and feeling blessed and feeling connected to the universe is going to continually interpret and kind of process their life experiences, even negative ones, through that kind of lens of like bringing it back to insight. What did I learn? What can I be grateful for? Um, And so that person may hold this certain frequency despite what's happening. Like Vesta relates to the inviolable, right? So an inviolable spirit. It's this devotion that we have to holding something down regardless, right? And so some people might be um, really holding the flame of their power. Like they're not going to submit to certain power games that, you know, maybe it'd be easier for them if they just did, but they are holding that frequency so strongly that they're not willing to, right? So Vesta is going to be... unique to the individual, but right now with Vesta in the lunation, in the eclipse, it's almost like there may be some change of the guard kind of energy where it's like the eclipse, there's a little bit of an unexpected or chaotic energy and Vesta relates to something that we see as inviolable or that we will, you know, defend the frequency of. And the way that I'm kind of like feeling into it is almost like 
you know, and I've had this experience too of, of kind of like believing something or thinking that something is going to go a certain way or that I have a certain game plan about the situation, but then I'm actually face to face with it. And it's like some veils come up and I see the situation differently and it's eclipsing my previous perspective. And it's like, do I lean into that and allow that surrender or do I fight and uphold and try to maintain my previous perspective? Um, often it's, um, you know, that's the question. But change, right, is inevitable. Um, and so if the truth in a moment is different than what we thought the truth was, I think that's like the portal of like, are we going to follow that journey, right, or contract around it? Vesta is a protective energy. She protects the temple or the ritual space by gatekeeping. Only the initiates, only those who show proper respect, only those who are worthy, etc., can enter the temple. Eclipses, on the other hand, are fairly chaotic and unpredictable, so who is to say what unexpected energy can enter the temple? And for what it's worth, I... When I say eclipses are chaotic and unpredictable, I don't think eclipses are, say, like malefic, which is um, like a traditional astrology word. My experience with eclipses is that unexpected, you know, insights or kind of directions emerge. And so it's a time period to be open to that as opposed to trying to stick with a particular agenda. So one of my favorite ways to be with eclipses is to eclipse within, to go into a meditative state during the eclipse and see what appears in the meditation. The meditative space is an inner sanctum, the, the temple, if you will, and the eclipse vision itself is usually unexpected. A major Sagittarius principle is expansion, while a shadow is dogma and rigidity about our beliefs. If we have invested a lot of our identity or emotional security into a particular um, set of beliefs, we find it that much more annihilating to let those beliefs go, as we're also letting go of our egoic you know, shell. So in an effort to protect those beliefs, Sagittarius can relate to the ways we lie to ourselves, rationalize information to fit a particular agenda, right, at, you know, a more negative end of Sag. An eclipse happening in this sign could be literally or symbolically about our beliefs being eclipsed, which is actually an invitation to the expansion that Sagittarius also represents, encountering new realities beyond what we imagined from our previous limited perspective. Sagittarius, um, sometimes in teaching, people are like, well, what's the difference between Sagittarius and Aquarius? Because they do have some similarities in terms of beyond the known. But like Aquarius or Uranus experiences will bring in something suddenly unexpected. Like it's kind of more frenetic, like you were here and then suddenly you're out there and there was no warning. With Jupiter and Sagittarius experiences, it's like concentric circles moving outward. So one experience creates insight that leads to the next, that leads to the next, or like you're in school and you like advance the levels, right? So 
by simply being a student of our life experience and finding the wisdom through our experiences, there's this sense of moving from the experience to the perspective. And then that perspective opening up maybe new opportunities we're open to and those new opportunities becoming things that we then gain insight on. And you can see how the concentric circles go. And this can also be the process of like realizing that we believed in something to seeing that there's this other perspective and experimenting with that, you know, and so on. Given the eclipse and the Neptune station, being open to seeing our situation from new angles and resisting jumping to conclusions might be helpful. While we process the drama itself of the unknown and the stories we project onto the unknown, this can potentially show us important soul and psychological material. It is better to leave big decisions for when we feel clear and grounded rather than when we feel panicked or urgent. And I think that that's, you know, why I said at the beginning, my advice was to recognize the difference between needing to make a decision now and when you just feel urgent. And I know that for me, when I make choices from a place of feeling panicked or anxious, I'm setting up a timeline of possible kind of like emanations of that. And so even when I am feeling panicked, for example, finding a place of clarity where I'm like thinking about different options and either I'm just resting because I'm not in a state to act or an idea comes up that creates this feeling of expansion and like a more settled energy in my body. And then I pursue that course of action. But I find that like if you're in a panic state and you're just looking at a set of buttons or something and you just choose one from that place of panic, it's um often just not as supportive as taking the time to get really grounded and really clear. And I think that Sagittarius, you know, is a sign that relates to connecting to our intuition and our sense of knowing how to expand ourselves. And so it's not to say that every choice that we make is going to feel blissful. Like sometimes change is just naturally stressful and we might choose something and feel the anxiety of the unknown, but it turns out to be an amazing experience. So I'm not saying that that place of clarity before action needs to be perfect, but just that it is important to find some grounding or some kind of like uh, energetic gravity in that space. And I think eclipse seasons really highlight the potential of like, uh, Rosie Finn taught me this. We had an episode way back. I think it's like episode 18 or something like that. If not close to that of magic of the spheres, um, eclipses have like a wait and see energy. Like sometimes the thing that feels really dramatic and we need to do something about it, um, acting in that, uh, all that drama upheaval of that moment just kind of perpetuates it when sometimes these things blow over. And so similarly, when we're feeling that panic and feeling that urgency, if the situation itself isn't urgent, that's a great opportunity to sit with that and find some more clarity before taking a course of action. And then December 6th, 
kind of in the spirit that I'm actually talking about. Mars in 25 degrees of Scorpio will sextile Pluto in 25 degrees of Capricorn at 3.41 a.m. Pacific. And compared to the unmooring sense of the other transits, Mars in Scorpio sextile Pluto and Capricorn is more of a calculated and intentional frequency. Scorpio Capricorn is such a power couple, honestly. So Mars and Pluto here could relate to actions we pursue that offer meaningful leverage upward to a place of greater power, as well as meaningful steps downward in descent or reflection or unraveling or rest kind of processes. Right, like Capricorn is not just upward momentum and upward leverage, it is also the sea goat that, you know, can climb the mountains and also descend into the sea. While Mars Pluto can represent a strong impulse and a deep need for movement, both Scorpio and Capricorn know and understand power and are concerned with it. This transit feels like the presence of a quiet inner voice that can be heard no matter what is happening, that urges an action or a gameplay that is going to improve the situation in a strategic way. There is a deeper reserve of inner power that is unmoved by the destructive urge to release the energy in an unskillful or premature way. This placement is willing to hold, willing to wait for the right moment, to hold the inner tension, to hold power. December 7th, we have Mercury in 20 degrees of Sagittarius, square Neptune in 20 degrees of Pisces at 7.16 a.m. This transit brings us in touch with a mental and cerebral plane, Mercury, where the bigger picture and visionary thinking takes precedence, and details and precision takes a back seat. So if precision matters in a situation right now, we may find ourselves having to be more mindful A kind of thinking that may be highlighted is contemplating the energetics of a situation at hand rather than the particulars. This, of course, leaves room for interpretation and projection at worst, you know, or being in a fantasy, but expanded vision and deep realization at best, like seeing the the forest through the trees, essentially. Should we feel lucid or sense the gravity of the truth, some of the insights emerging at this time could be breakthroughs. Mars in 26 degrees of Scorpio, square Jupiter in 26 degrees of Aquarius, the same day, 10.21 p.m. Pacific. Mars-Jupiter contacts in general relate to wanting to do a lot, to potentially go overboard, and to have a lot of energy and morale for a goal at hand. With Mars and Jupiter in fixed signs and a square, so fixed signs are kind of... um, you know, fixed, stubborn energetics, very powerful, very enduring. So they relate to lasting situations. Um, you know, when it comes to like trauma, which is like an Aquarius theme, for example, people would fix their trauma in a day if they could, you know, like that energy sticks around and the process of like uncovering and transmuting trauma is like an effort right? Um, Similarly, like cultivating a life that we deeply value, Taurus, does not happen overnight, (laughs) right? It's something that we put energy and intention into 
And so the fixed signs have that kind of quality of like, they are fixed, they're sticking around. The situations related to the fixed signs can change, but it takes effort to change them. And the kind of epic experience that we want to build or cultivate in the fixed signs also takes energy to create. But once we create it, it's like there to stick around. So Mars and Jupiter in fixed signs and a square, which is a tense aspect, our desire to do the most, to do that, like go, you know, doing everything, Mars, Jupiter may feel significantly deadlocked. The way we deal with this tension, however, can potentially free up large amounts of energy. The last quarter square, which this is, relates to a crisis in consciousness and the potential for paradigmatic shift, new levels of freedom. We emerge from grappling with the bars of a cage to actually watching the cage be dismantled or dissolved before our eyes. This is a moment that we can become free from a limiting perspective that was the source of our distress. There's something about crisis, I think, that calls us to attention. Because when things are going smoothly, we just are kind of going along. But when there's a block, when there's a crisis, when there's just some kind of impasse, that's when we may get very uh, confronted, right? Or sometimes um, the way that we face that challenge becomes like very creative or very generative for us. And so as I've been studying the geometry side of astrology over the years and studying these kind of phases and cycles, when I'm personally in a moment of impasse or crisis, as much as I may be feeling stressed by the situation, there's also part of me that just understands that that's a pivotal point of the cycle that impasses are part of the evolutionary path, that impasses are part of the cycle. And that there's sometimes, you know, there's often something on the other end that is wholly surprising. And like the, that moment of release or that moment of epiphany after the struggle, right? And so what I find is that in those moments of impasse or crisis, we could become almost like fatalistic about it or pessimistic and feel like, okay, things are just going to suck from now on or like this is, this is over. Or we can see that there's kind of like um, a sacred tension of that moment where something is going to emerge. And so even while I'm actively stressed out about something, there can be that sense of like, this is an opportunity too. And I especially feel like the last quarter square has that feel to it. So Jupiter and Aquarius relates to where we are holding a higher vision of what is possible in our lives. Right. And it's kind of like how we how we're even anticipating like the the structure of reality like Jupiter in Aquarius is like our philosophy on like what reality is the structure you know of reality as I was saying I'm trying to think of a way to bring that down more 
I suppose, you know, if you're envisioning the future, it's like what you think are the likely outcomes. And sometimes those likely outcomes are are really not all that there is. Like there's this capacity for a breakthrough and sense of what is actually possible. And if we have injected a certain level of fear or paranoia, for example, onto the future outcomes, then we are, um, we're kind of like, you know, projecting, as I was saying, onto what's possible as opposed to seeing things as they actually are. And there is the potential within that to create self-fulfilling prophecies. So the higher value of Aquarius is like deeper levels of objectivity. And we're not objective when we are fixed on a particular school of thought that we won't budge from. Right. Schools of thoughts can be lenses that open up worlds. But when we take one school of thought and just like in a widespread way project it onto everything, then we're not seeing like what the actual moment is. So Jupiter and Aquarius, I think like a higher, deeper intention of it can be like this kind of desire, like a real desire, prayerful space of like to have our consciousness expanded, to see things from a higher perspective or a bird's eye view perspective, to see things we couldn't have imagined before. Um, and this is a deep reason why I like, um, what I like is like too, <laughs> too basic a word, like love, deeply appreciate, um, cannot imagine life without, um, some relationship with the beyond the human, beyond than human world, right? So like the planets or um, spirit guides or angels, for example, because there's a collaboration within seeking more than what I know and more than what I can see to form that kind of connection or that kind of spiritual network. Like we talk about Aquarius in some senses, community in the human sense, which it is, but it's also like the the plant world networks, uh, the mycelial networks, the um, the planets, the angels, like these other kind of beings that help create network relationships. And if this sounds far out, like I'm not even going to apologize. But one thing here, you know, that I've noticed from talking with like plant people is that like let's say you have a really close relationship with um, a particular herb like Damiana or, um, tobacco even, or like yarrow or something. Sometimes you'll meet other people. Like you're kind of crossing paths with someone who's also in deep conversation with that plant. Like there's kind of like a resonance field of that plant that pulls you together. I also feel this with like planetary transits where, if a planet that I'm praying to or building a connection with, and then I meet someone during a significant transit from that planet and the significations of the moment connect to that planet, it's like, it wasn't just random fate or chance that connected us. It was like that deity or that, you know, connector. So I think with Jupiter and Aquarius, there's that sense of like, how much more could we know or come to understand if we were to connect with the more than human world. And of course, yes, I think this is also networking on the human level, but I just wanted to take it that extra level. But Jupiter and Aquarius relates to 
holding a higher vision of what's possible in our lives, the kind of freedom we could attain or share, the ideals of our best possible life, our high dreams, right? We would just do those things and live that epic life if we could, right? So what holds us back? When it comes to pursuing our ideals, Aquarius, a worthy counterpart of this visionary process is the shadow work and emotional alchemy that Scorpio represents, which brings us to Mars and Scorpio. So when we're wanting to get ahead or kind of pursue the course of inspired action or pursue the high dream, all of this, but feel stuck, fixed signs, this opens up a deeper inquiry or awareness around the nature of the block. If the block is about the social reality, say the environment feels hostile or not supportive, we may be finding new ways to adapt or find our own power in the situation, Mars and Scorpio. There's kind of like a dialectic between personal responsibility versus like collective shift. Um, and definitely here, I think in my writing, I, I go more toward personal responsibility just because that's where I've found my personal connection with power and also like feel like I can um, offer. But when we're looking at Aquarius and Scorpio, it is very much like the personal Scorpio, like the, it's also like what we're enmeshed in, like where we have psychic connections and hooks and Aquarius is the culture. It's the whole system. And so what I've found is that like the way that I relate with the culture, um, those bonds may or may not be mutually enhancing. And so if I can find the place in me that hooks, you know, into say a negative like relationship with society or with the world around me, and I can kind of transmute that hook from within, then I no longer am codependent or enmeshed with that particular thing. Um, so one thing, for example, is like, I live in like a magical reality. Like I believe in magic. I practice it. Um, I have a relationship with the planets and angels and clairvoyance and whatnot. And there's totally a side of me that could be and used to be hooked into needing to seem normal or conventional or be approved of. And that hook compromised my own power to stand in my truth, to um, speak the way that I do in public, or to kind of like follow my dharmic path if I was that concerned about um, people who don't believe in magic approving of me, right? And so when I unhook from that particular need for approval, then I'm freer and the social context still exists, but I have a different way of navigating it. And so I really see that with Scorpio and Aquarius. And it's also like this can be generational or kind of like ripple changes where say um, there's been like a normal gendered way of relating. Like we'll take a heterosexual context between men and women and like what are kind of the toxic dynamics and the shadow dynamics that have been inherited uh, down the family line. And when an individual learns how to opt out of those patterns and create a different pattern and say, create a more mutually enhancing relationship, um, that's going to change kind of like the family 
you know, if they continue to have children, like the ancestral kind of familial story. So when we kind of, um, address the ways that we're hooked into culture, change and transmute, we also in effect change and transmute the culture. And I think that's a really deep part of the Scorpio Aquarius reality. And then if we say that this block or this impasse that Mars Jupiter represents is more personal in nature or more internal, more about our psychological reality, we may seek an inner willpower, right? And so internal and psychological and maybe the Aquarius side here is like our own um, kind of trauma pattern, for example. So like Scorpio is like our desire, right? And Aquarius is like the trauma pattern of like, well, I've pursued that desire before and this terrible thing happened. So now I associate mentally the path toward that desire with this kind of negative consequence. And that's a, a kind of gear in our system that's like creating knots over and over again. And when we can see that and when we can recognize that, the kind of alchemical shift um, can be this very internal thing. So here we may seek an inner willpower to address the situation at a root or depth place and shift our magnetic emotional orientation. We may have the morale to do this when we realize that our old ways of seeking resolution are not even working, and yet we still feel determined to have breakthrough. You know, one example, like let's say... We really have the value and the desire to live this life with a fully open heart, right? Which we may think of as more of like a Leo kind of energetic, another fixed sign. Then when traumas happen, Aquarius, to that, you know, like we experience disappointment or heartbreak, there would be a way that internally we're, we're seeking that kind of emotional transmutation to process and to alchemize what happened, um, take responsibility for it in whatever ways that we need or kind of take actions in the ways that we need, but then also continue to keep that heart open. If that was the choice, that if that was the desire, it's like that's going against the potential for like closure or like the natural kind of like entropy that could happen to that process and to pursue that ideal, even with adversity. So Scorpio being kind of that deep soul level challenge um, or that deep desire kind of like wrapped up in one right? Like the thing that we want also relates to a deep struggle, right? And how we kind of transmute and work with that inner tension. So having big dreams or ideals or aspiring towards something earnestly, so Aquarius, the dreams and ideals will naturally show us the places we hold emotional resistance, Scorpio, while descending into our own depths to retrieve this information and do healing or magic around it does not seem like upward momentum toward the goal of the high dream. It is a holistic part of the process. And um, this is, I think, a really interesting part about Aquarius and Scorpio is that Aquarius could be wanting to see things from a higher perspective and a bird's eye view. And that could be kind of the ascension oriented consciousness or like 
um, that kind of thing. And Scorpio is like the depths and the shadow work. And I think to see that even though those things can seem at odds, they actually do enhance each other, right? Like the doing deep shadow work allows us to become aware of things that we would otherwise project onto going into those upper realms, right? And if we're just in the upper realms, uh, there's a disembodiment or a dissociation that can happen with that. And so bringing it down into the form, into the incarnation, into the messiness of being human um, gives it space to incarnate. And so I think when, you know, I associate the fixed signs with greatness, like mastery, like with creativity, right? And so you want the high dream Aquarius? Well, what are you going to dig up to figure out how to get there. Like if you're feeling blocked, what internal part of you is colluding with that? And that's kind of like the shadow work. So one meditation that I've been enjoying lately is tuning into what I deeply desire and letting myself have it like in the vision. And I mean the things I deeply desire, but have all this turmoil around it. Like I can't have it, or it's not possible, or I don't trust it's going to work out, etc. When I neutralize that tension in my own nervous system and can actually relax into a state of receptivity, um, and whether this is in meditation or actually real situations where um, something that I've desired is like in my space and I'm like allowing myself to actually receive it, it's quite vulnerable and emotional actually to do that. Um, and to feel that, right? And this this can come up in relationship too, of just like having a desire and being receptive toward actually receiving it. And the kind of difference from being in this like, you don't, you won't give this to me, or like this, like that kind of like pushing away energy to actually like having the desire and like feeling like you can have it. Um I've noticed that going into this kind of meditation um, and neutralizing the resistance around a desire um, can actually shift my external reality, right? Sometimes we don't have to fight so hard in the external world to get what we want, but can actually just address those deep places inside of us that are repelling our desires and shift the energetic from within. I hope that this is, you know, if you think about it and you think about the things that you really want Notice if you have conflicting, like, yes, part of you wants it, but another part of you is pushing it away. Um, or like you want it, but you're not sure what that means about you. You're not fully in approval of it. Um, and those kind of conflicting desires, they get mirrored on the external reality too. Once we get on board internally and recruit those kind of stray parts of ourselves that are, say, sabotaging the mission, um, they're going against the goal. Our concrete actions toward the goal become more efficacious because we are in harmony with ourselves. Right? So imagine like you're trying to pursue something, but a part of you is not working toward it. Like that's an internal thing that ideally shifts so that like the thing can be moved toward. On the other hand, for some people, the sabotaging complex is intelligent. Say it's taking down a dream that's not actually true, but you'll have to discern whether you are really, whether you really want what you want or are open to dismantling that high dream entirely. 
So see like the the Mars-Jupiter square, Mars-Jupiter generally wants to like be victorious, to celebrate the victory. And then we're looking at this kind of significant tension right now of really assessing the bigger picture of our desire nature. Where are we working against it in ourselves? Where are we hooked into things or colluding into things in our environment that are keeping us in the same place or keeping us stuck? And where can we create liberating changes both within and in how we're engaging um, our networks. And to take this all into context that it's during eclipse season and Neptune stationing, um, I think it would be fair to say that while there's like some breakthroughs implied in this transit, I think there's also a lot of maybe making space and not forcing decisions or not forcing certain timelines and really kind of relaxing and surrendering and finding maybe a deeper rooted sense within ourselves that feels um, motivated towards something as opposed to just doing that because we think that's what we're supposed to do or that's what we said we were going to do or like any of that. Like there's a little bit of a like backing up and kind of... um, going deeper within and inevitably that deep within place holds some truth or holds some medicine in it. And then there's the coming forward with it process. So thank you for being with me on this forecast that got into so many kind of energetics. Um, I'm happy to be back. I would love to hear how you're doing in the comments or what you resonated with. I forgot to say at the beginning to please like this video and subscribe to the channel. Um, And of course, leave a comment um, with what resonates with you. And I will be back soon.